This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, how are you feeling this week? I'm feeling good. Episode four. You told me that there is um, a lot, a lot in this, uh, I mean, short, what, we did seven verses on Sunday? Was that uh, something some, like that? Some, a few more than that, but yeah. yeah. So uh, so you said there was a lot to dig into. So let's, you know, why don't we just, we, we got a couple of questions uh, at the end, but you uh, you mentioned, you know, you got, a, you got a couple of things you didn't have time to deal with. I wanted to do a full 40 minutes dedicated to talking about the career of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, you got to you got to tell the joke first. You got you got Okay, okay. This is special this is special podcast only content. I wanted Brent to tell this joke and he didn't tell it, but so he says, you know, blessed are you Simon Bar Jonah. Bar Jonah means son of Jonah, but Jonah is actually a transliteration of the name that is sometimes translated as John. So if in common vernacular we could say his name was Simon, son of John, or Simon, John's son. And then he gets renamed Petros, the rock. So if we wanted to be very literal about the English translation of Simon's name, his name would in fact be Simon, the rock, John's son. (laughs) (laughs) So that is my, that is my like best piece of of Bible trivia. That's your Bible joke right there. Oh yeah. Bible joke. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, there was a lot in this. You know, I, I struggled over it all week, trying to like what what angle to take, and ended up going with the angle of our identity because I think that's the main thrust of the passage, and particularly with soul there at the end. You know, who will give up, uh, gain the whole world, lose his soul? Soul being the word psyche um, about life or um, your soul or your life, but really being really who you are and your internal person. And so, I wanted to talk about that and our identity and how our identity is only found when we lose ourselves in Christ and. Uh, and so that's what the sermon was about. But there was a lot of tangential other things uh, kind of connected to this um, that uh, we didn't get to talk to, again, didn't get to talk about. Um, and so I wanted to hit a couple of those things here at the beginning. Um, first, verse 28 says, uh, truly I say to you, so this is Jesus talking, uh, there are some uh, some standing here who will not taste death until they see the man, son of man coming in his kingdom. Uh, weird verse, you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's like, Hey, look, there are some of you guys here and you're not going to die until you see this, see me coming in my kingdom. So there's a lot of debate around this. Like what in the world does that mean? Like, are the, are some of the disciples still alive somehow they're, you know, eternal and they're still waiting for Jesus to return or something like that? No, that's not the case. Uh, I think there's two likely interpretations of this verse. Um, I'll give you the less likely one. And then the one I think it probably is. Uh, the less likely one is that uh, that they'll see the resurrection, see the Son of Man come in His kingdom, and the kingdom is really ushered in at the resurrection of Jesus. Um, mm. I think that one's less likely because he says some standing here, so he's saying not all of you are going to see this, and uh, all of them, even including Judas, sees the resurrection. Judas doesn't die till after, um, and so I don't think that is most likely it. Uh, I think it's probably the next chapter actually, which is the Mount of Transfiguration, and so. Uh, Three of the disciples, uh, I think it's Peter, James, and John, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, get to go on the mountain of transfiguration, go up on the mountain with Jesus, and he like basically pulls back the veil on who he is and uh, shows him, shows all of them his glory and his kingdom. And so I think that's probably what he's meaning. Hey, some of you guys are getting ready to see something pretty crazy, see me and all my glory. 
So I think that's probably what that verse is talking about. So that one's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I've always been taught, or at least you know, recent memory that it was the Mount of Transfiguration. But I do, I do understand the the resurrection point, but. It is interesting to think that some apostles are just like still alive, hanging out for the second coming. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, like John, a, right? It's like in a cave. It's like John, who is the only disciple not to be martyred, who's exiled yeah, yeah, yeah. to Patmos. It's like maybe he's been given. He's he's secret, somewhere. secret, secret immortality. Waiting, yeah, um, yeah, but I, I don't think that's it. That'd make for a good movie. It would. But uh, the next thing is. Um, we kind of have a question around this. So I'm going to try to not answer all of this because we want to get to that Q&A to talk a little more about this. But he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right, so what in the world does that mean? So this is this is Jesus talking to Peter, right? Peter, yeah. Okay. Right. So he said, okay, you're the rock and on you I'm going to build the church and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. So whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever yeah. you loose, be loose. Just wanted to be clear on that context. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two two thoughts about what this means. Uh, the first is that it means the church has authority to pronounce the gospel, to pronounce the forgiveness of sin, um, to pronounce uh, people uh, that are going to go to heaven. Right. That mm-hmm. you you get to come into the kingdom of God. Now, what that doesn't mean is we get to pick and choose, right? Oh, yeah, we like you. We're going to let you in. I don't think that's what he's saying. Uh, but he's saying, if you think about it like this, like how is it that we can look at somebody and tell them, hey, if you believe this, you will go to the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. You'll get to go to heaven. You, If you believe this, if you do this, if you make not Caesar Lord, but Jesus Lord, your sins will be forgiven. Well, how is it that we have any ability or authority to say that? Well, it's because Jesus has given the church authority to say such things. Yeah. We are his ambassadors, as the Bible will talk about, or we're embassies, heralding, proclaiming a, a truth on his behalf um, that believe this message and you'll receive forgiveness of sins. So we have the authority pr- to pronounce those things. And we can look at somebody in good mm-hmm. faith who who says they believe the gospel, says they've made Jesus Lord, has signs and evidence of the fruit of the spirit. We can look at them and say, your sins are forgiven. Not because we're a priest that has that power, mm-hmm. but because that's what Jesus said. And we are echoing the words of Jesus and the words of the scriptures. Yeah. I, I also think one thing about this is, and, and I briefly read this um, before the, before we start recording, just looking at this this verse, is that this um, loose loosing and binding language was like legal language in Jewish cultures. Um, and, and, and so like saying, uh, you know, these loosing and bindings things was was is is an authority. You, yeah. you you talk about something being legally binding. Oh yeah. You yeah. know he's talking about, and that's that's kind of the 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 you know the reference that Jesus is making here is like the the legality, the authority. Yeah. Um, of a thing, and I, I also think, um, and we're gonna like I said, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later. But you know, l- the loosing of something, mm-hmm. right? Letting go. Mm-hmm. We're, we're later in a you know in in Acts, we're gonna see the Holy Spirit let loose uh, on onto the world through uh, during a sermon of Peter's. Yep. Um, and also I, I think one thing I, I wrote down is that, you know, this keys of the kingdom, yep. you know, language, like what's that all about? What, what are the keys of the kingdom? I'd, I'd like some, sounds cool. It's unlocking the door. Yeah. Uh, and that, that 
that Peter uh, is is like he's going to preach these these this you know three thousand Jewish people are going to come through the door yeah like through his preaching right and then yeah. he's going to go preach in these Samaritan villages and there's Samaritans that are going to come through the door because of his preaching and there are uh, there's Gentiles Romans that are going to come through the door because of uh, Peter's work of the in the early church and of his preaching and so saying that I'm gonna I'm gonna you're gonna be able to open this door and show these people the way and so, into in, the kingdom. In some ways, you could say the keys of the kingdom is the gospel message. Yeah, yeah. It is the it is what unlocks the door to let you in. Yeah. Uh, or it is it is what knocks the the gates of hell off their hinges. Yeah, you? yeah. So uh, I think I think it's definitely you know just it if we if we don't want to be so specific, we can just generally say this is a kind of gospel authority. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily like apostolic authority. Yeah, 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 because like I think what you're saying is like we all have that. Like once you're in Christ, yeah, this isn't something pastors have, yeah, or priests have. This is something every Christian has that you can look at someone and say, "Hey, believe this message, and this is what will happen." Mm-hmm. And you have the authority to say that because you're not standing on your own authority. You're standing yeah. on the story of the scriptures and Jesus yeah. and the gospel. Yeah, here's here's the other thing I want to say about this, and uh, we could probably do a whole episode on this, but um, I think there's also an, an institutional reality here uh, mm-hmm. from the church. Yeah. Uh, I sure. think sometimes in our modern context, we're so individualistic mm-hmm. that we're, 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 we kind of buck against what I'm about to say. Um, and I want to be careful because I'm not trying to say that, oh, the church has authority to tell people who's a Christian and who's not. But here's what we do have. For sure. The reason we have members in our church is to say, we think you're going to be in heaven with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to go through a process to become a member of our church. It's not like the YMCA. You don't just go give some money, sign a form, and you're in. Um, you've got to go through a class. You've got to sit down with a me or another one of our elders. You've got to go over your testimony. You got to tell me your understanding of the gospel. We're going through those things because I need to know, our church needs to know that, hey, this person, by all best available evidence, is a Christian, mm-hmm. meaning they've been filled with the Spirit, they've been forgiven of their sins. And so we are going to bind them on earth through yeah. church membership because we think they're going to be bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the flip side of that, um, if they begin to act in a manner that is um, un- unworthy of the gospel, they begin to walk in unrepentant sin, right? Not just sinning. We'd all sin every day, but mm-hmm. walking in a sin and they look and we, and we say, hey, you know, Matthew 18, right? Which is getting ready to come up mm-hmm. uh, is, is we, we, you know, I go, hey, man, you got to stop doing this sin. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And then I'm, hey, me and a couple other buddies go, hey, man, we love you. You got to stop doing the sin. And they don't. And over six, eight months, a year, you go to this person and you're like, repent brother this is wrong and they they refuse to turn not that they're struggling right they're struggling is a different issue if they're saying i know man i got to i i need help like great that's all of us we all need help walking through our sin but if they're like no i'm going to continue doing this and i don't care to change i don't care to stop at some point the bible tells us we're supposed to treat them like unbelievers which doesn't mean we kick them out of the church and say hey you're not allowed to come here anymore what it does mean is we remove their membership out of love to say hey man we we don't think you're a Christian and we're going to start sharing the gospel with you. Basically it's a change of tactics to say, instead of treating you like a Christian that needs to repent, we're going to treat you like an unbeliever who needs to believe for the first time. And yeah. so I also think this is kind of hinting at, at well, that idea. Well, it's not, I, I would say even stronger. It's, I don't think it's hinting at that because you go, you said that and I went, I was like, I'm pretty sure Matthew 18, I also just got a text message. And so that's going to come through on the, the podcast. Nice. If you heard that little ding, but you, you read Matthew 16 and he, and Jesus goes through this, this, church disciplinary process and then he says 
Uh, so verse, I'll just pick up in verse 17. He says, if, if, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And then he says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever oh. you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Yeah, that's perfect. Like, yeah, yeah, that's like great. Jesus says that exact in relation to church discipline. Yes, certainly connected. Yeah, it's like you not only do you have authority, you know, to spread the gospel, to to uh, tell people the gospel message, but you also with that comes the responsibility to to maintain Christ's people to maintain yeah, yeah. right action, to maintain personal holiness. And this is where I'm saying this is not necessarily an individual's ability to do this, but right, yeah. the institution of the church, yeah. right, through its elders, through mm-hmm. its um, its church government, right? Like yeah. the, it's not just me saying, hey, I, I, you're kicked out, right? And it's also, right, it's not us kicking them off the property saying, we don't want you here. It's actually, no, we, we want you to come back. We want you to be here yeah. in church. But we, we, we want you to understand that we're taking what you're doing so seriously. Mm-hmm. We don't think you're a Christian and, yeah. and you need to know that, right? Because sometimes the hardest thing to do is to convince someone they're lost. Yeah. So. Um, the I think the last thing I'll, I'll say about that is, you know, you mentioned it being a, a uh, you know, a modern problem. But I mean, even in two, I mean, the first generation after the death of Jesus, death and resurrection of Jesus, I mean, we're talking the 100s to the 150s. There were churches that were, you know, in Rome and Jerusalem that had a, three-year membership process <laughs> like you had to be oh yeah you had to yeah, be yeah. catechized for three no, years. no no i'm saying the modern problem is our individualistic yeah, view yeah. of ourself where we we think oh i don't need the church or the church can't tell me this or well, i'll just go to a yeah, new, yeah. new church i think you're right you've been telling me about your church history class and 100 years ago it's like no the church was taken very seriously and they took very seriously the their role in yeah. making sure people were met were yeah. believers so so the individualism was was you're, yeah, yeah you're right the individualism was was lower um you know, their idea of, of being an individual, but, uh, it's taking that this, this church membership model is nothing new. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, ours is pretty easy compared to, oh, yeah. to, uh, what I've well, been reading about, you know, from the second century. You no, know, and even in like Acts two, it's like, Hey man, they're bringing all their money. They're bringing everything and putting it, give it to the disciples to distribute. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, uh, we're not asking for that. No, no, but we could, we could, we could start. We're not going to no, okay. start. <laughs> um, uh, all right. And then you, it looks like you got one more point here about. Oh, yeah. Know. So, um, and I talked about this a little bit in the sermon. I just wanted to bring it back out because I thought it was um, just striking. Jesus says this in several other places throughout his ministry. And I never really thought through it completely. In it, and I did this week and it was helpful to me. But there's a point where Jesus tells the disciples, um, he, he charges them, do not go tell anyone about me. You know, don't tell anybody that I am the Christ, right? You've gotten it right. You, I am the Christ, but don't go tell anyone yet, which seems so counterintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. You'd say like, mm-hmm. we want everyone to know about Jesus. Why, why not go to tell? Uh, and it's because yeah. they they don't understand. They understand who he is, not what he's come to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he doesn't want them misrepresenting him to the world uh, where then all that work's going to be undone, right? You got to retrain people or, re, you know, actually I told you all this, but I didn't know fully yet. So let me fix it. Um, and so he wants them to understand who he is and what he's going to do before they go tell him everything. And, and I think about that today. There are a lot of people like, I'm like, I want you to stop talking about Jesus because you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think about prosperity gospel preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think about athletes sometimes, you know, and like, Hey man, I can just, all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. And I made that touchdown. Right. Because of that. And it's like, 
please just stop talking. Yeah, you know, or you know, I think of all the athletes and pressers who talk about Jesus, and it's like just in an unhelpful, unbiblical way. And it's like yeah, sometimes we just stop, and, mm-hmm. and you need to go learn about who Jesus actually is before you keep mm-hmm. talking. And so I, I feel that today when I see some people talk about, it, so I can only imagine Jesus there before anybody really understands who he is. I'm yeah. saying that. So and it's like you know, it's like these are the these are the guys that are closest to him and his teaching and so it's like if they get it wrong how's anyone going to be able to get it right 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 yeah that, sure. I, I think that i think that's really good I, I never thought through it you know like that and so uh i i think that's that's super helpful and it's not that you know it's that they're just not they don't have a complete understanding yeah yeah there's coming a day when you get yeah. to talk about them but we you, we got to make sure you understand before you yeah do. yeah that's good because uh, the message matters right right it's not just jesus it's what he's come to do yeah it's who he is and what he's come to do yeah um, well, all right. That anything else you want to add that you didn't get to talk about from your sermon this week? Well, you know, I'm just thinking about what I just said, and yep. and I think, I think in our modern context, there there's some application there as well. Sometimes we just want to talk about Jesus, 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 and we don't want to talk about what He's come to do. And we mm-hmm. say, man, you know, you know, we kind of get hyper emotional or hyper just like touchy feely about jesus my boyfriend kind of language right mm-hmm. and well what it, it makes me think of is and this is like a little bit of a hot button issue and i know we're gonna have more nuanced thoughts that we can get into yeah. right now but the the he gets us okay cam- campaign yeah you know it was people were kind of upset about it cost thing aside i mean people were upset about the cost sure. but i think people were also upset because the he like, gets us thing is the super, the super bowl, bowl commercial jesus about, commercials yeah, yeah. yeah and so um that people i mean People were upset because they were like, it didn't talk about sin. It didn't talk about, uh, yeah. it didn't talk about, you know, grace. It didn't talk about justice. It didn't talk about any of this stuff. Yeah. And it was just saying, you know, here, you know, here's Jesus, you know, meet In him. 20 seconds. Yeah. 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 So I certainly, I think that's fine. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think introducing uh, unchurched people to the person of Jesus, asking them to go, you know, figure out who he is. That's a great start. It's, yeah. Step one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Is that, what we what we can't do is is separate the person of Jesus from what he actually did, yeah. said, yeah. and accomplished right. on earth. So I'll give you I'll give you a story. Um, when I was a youth pastor, uh, my pastor was preaching and he was preaching on on the on the crucifixion. We were taking the Lord's supper that Sunday, and he had a, a big cup, big chalice of grape juice, and he poured it out of one cup into another cup, and he was talking about um, that Jesus talking about how the, the wrath of God was going to be poured out right upon him and, and so he pours out this this grape juice and then he, and we do the lord's supper together and uh, and all this and when we leave this guy uh, comes up to him and he's just mad he's mad he's like you know you talked about my savior my jesus in a way that that uh, i don't believe you talked about him, you know god being angry at us you talked about wrath and all this stuff and i think he's just love and, da, 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 da. and he left he never came back to the church and it's like if you understand Jesus in a way that is divorced from his um, receiving the wrath of God on the mm-hmm. cross, you don't actually understand Jesus, right? You're like the disciples at this point who don't yeah, get it. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it's like Peter, Peter's is when he says, Hey, Jesus, you're, ne- you're, we're never going to let you go suffer and die. Mm-hmm. And he says, get behind me, Satan. It's like, no, it's because uh, a Jesus, if you want a Jesus divorced from the crucifixion, I think he's saying it's satanic. Yeah. Right. And so, um, we can't have Jesus divorced from uh, his work on the cross. Those things mm-hmm. are in, inextricably linked. Yeah. And so, no, that's, that's really good. 
All right. So now uh, time for, we just got, we got three questions this week. Q and A. Q and A time. We need like a little, like a jingle. We do need a jingle. Q and A jingle. We don't need a jingle. Oh, we do. Um, so here's our, here's our first, our first question this week. It says, and this is related to what we were just talking about. It says, why did it take so long for the disciples to believe that Jesus was the Messiah? So not only, you know, is Jesus here not, you know, telling them, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't say anything. Mm -hmm. But also, I think throughout the scriptures, there's like this kind of constant confusion by yep. the disciples of kind of what's going on. And so I think that's what this question is, is kind of getting at. Yeah. You know, uh, I think this question is asked, too, because we're in here in chapter 16 of Matthew and Peter has said this for the first time uh, or Simon has said it for the first time before he becomes Peter. Um, but if you go back and look in John chapter two, uh, you see several other of the disciples uh, when they begin to first follow Jesus. Just call him the Messiah. Yeah. And then if you look in John 4, you have the woman at the well who calls mm -hmm. him the Christ, the Messiah. Yeah. And they're there and they see that. And so I, I think from the beginning, they at least think that's who he is mm -hmm. or they believe that's who he is. I don't think the problem is actually that it takes them a long time to understand that's who he is. I think the problem is it takes a long time for them to understand what that means. Mm, right. Yeah, so they good. so they think, oh, this is the Messiah, and he's just getting started. And here in a couple of years, we're going to build the following, and we're going to raise the army, mm -hmm. and we're going to take out Rome. We're going to build the kingdom, and we're going to take over the world uh, for God, and the kingdom of God is going to come reign over the world, right? Which is what the prophecies say, right? Mm -hmm. They just didn't understand that it was that was coming later. Yeah. Uh, and so I think they believe from pretty much the beginning that he's the Messiah. They just don't understand what that means, and it takes them a while to figure out Jesus's their expectations of Jesus were, were wrong, yeah, and over the Messiah were wrong, and so they had to come. They had to figure that out. They had to figure out he had to suffer. Yeah. He came to deal with before he could take over the world and, and bring his kingdom. He had to deal with sin, and they didn't understand that. Yeah, I think it's a great. You got an email. I did. I, I think that's a great answer. Uh, I also think you know we we tend to think you know of the disciples pretty poorly. I think a lot of the times, yeah. you know, it's like, we think these idiots, well, all their like, mistakes are just like, right here for us. Like, though. why don't they just get it? And like, you know, we've known who Jesus was for, you know, our entire lives and we've read our Bible and we know the ending of the story. Yeah. And, and yeah, we have all these guys, like, I won't even want to say that. I don't know if it's their worst moments, but just like moments where they're questioning moments where they're scared moments where they're anxious, you know, all these things. Yeah. And those are the things we have written down. And so you just got to imagine, like, these are real dudes that gave up their real lives to go follow well, and this that's guy a good around. Point. Like, if, like, they believe something very strongly because they left their careers and their yeah, families, uh, and families and yeah. to go follow this dude. Not just, They weren't wanting to go into rabbi training, yeah, right? Like, they didn't want to go be Pharisees. Uh, they thought this dude was different. Uh, that there was something about him worth leaving yeah. everything behind. You know, at one point, the disciples say, hey, we've left we've left everything behind to follow you. Yeah. Um, what else is there? Because yeah, yeah, you have the answers to life. Yeah, you, you have the everything. words of life. Where else should we go? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, we should, we can have some grace on the, on the disciples. They didn't have the Bible. We do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, a great example of that is, is Thomas, right? Forever oh, known as, forever known as doubting Thomas. Poor guy. Look, uh, <laughs> if, if, if your best friend died, and then he showed up at your house, like showed up in your house. You'd be like, all right, give me some proof. Yeah, like, yeah. don't tell me you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, but yeah, forever doubting Thomas, you know, yeah. poor guy. So 
So, okay, this is, this is a great question. This is actually what I thought about during your sermon. I didn't submit the question, but uh, this person writes in and says, if Jesus gives us a new name, using the language of your sermon, they put parentheses a new identity, why does our old identity feel so close and easy to fall back into? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I always think of Romans 7 uh, when these kinds of questions come up, or the Apostle Paul, who, uh, I mean, has written a good chunk of the New Testament. Um, and it's just obviously a, he was an apostle. He's an awesome dude following Jesus really close to Jesus. But he, in Romans 7, he says, man, I know the things I should do and I don't do them. I know the things that I shouldn't do and I find myself doing them. And so if Paul is having that, that struggle, that war with the old man, mm-hmm. the new man, it makes sense that we are too. And, and I, I thought, I think about it this way. Uh, I think about muscle memory, right? Like yeah. if you have trained your muscles. Uh, I think about quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Sometimes a quarterback, uh, has to relearn how to throw the ball because he wants to make his his throw shorter or quicker uh, or he has an injury right to his shoulder mm-hmm. and he has to have surgery and he's got to relearn to throw it. Well, what's really easy to do is to fall back into those old mechanics. Yeah. To fall back into that old muscle memory because you've gone your whole life walking like this, moving like this, throwing a ball like this. And to learn something that you've been doing for 20, 30, 40 years over or learn a new way is really hard and it's really easy to go back to the yeah. old thing. That's why athletes have to throw hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of passes weekly um, to get that mechanic down. You know, I remember when Tiger Woods had to relearn his golf swing or he, he, he had to change his golf swing to, to whatever. And like, you've got to do that so many times to retrain your body. And so in the same way, we are retraining our psyche, our, our hearts, our lives, mm-hmm. our, our, our very identity that we're something else. And so, of course, of course, it's super easy to to slide back into old habits, to slide back into our thinking of our old identity, because that's our muscle memory. And so we're retraining that, retraining our muscles to function in a new way, mm-hmm. which takes constant training. Like if a quarterback's got to throw hundreds of passes, you've got to be in the scriptures. You've got to be praying. You've got to be, uh, uh, Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. You've got to be around other people who are going to um, help mold you into that. Yeah. And so if you're not doing those things, of course, you're going to fall back, right? You can't just go to church one day a week and be like, oh, yeah, that's enough, right? The world is conforming you to his, trying to conform you to its image every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. And you got to be combating that with something. And so um, so, so you got to be retraining your muscles. But then also I would say that sanctification, that process by which we become holy, we become, become our new identity, um, is not just like I think of a line graph, right? It's not just this evenly heading up in the right direction, up, 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 right? But it's jagged. It's up and down, up and down, up mm-hmm. and down, up and down. And it's messy. Um, and we do really well for a week or for a month or six months. And then we we fall and we get, get back up and keep working. And so um, that's what it's supposed to look like. And so I, if that's you, don't be discouraged by that. That's all of us. Yeah. I, I thought, of, you know, you're talking about uh, quarterbacks and muscle memory and throwing. I, I thought about you know, it's, it's like we're all, you think about someone who's an alcoholic and there's science has, you know, discovered that there's, there's something chemical in your brain, something genetic that predisposes people to be alcoholics, to become alcoholics. Right. And so to, to, uh, counteract that people have to be actually be really proactive in, you know, fighting their alcoholism. So you think about someone who has previously been an alcoholic and is now mm, like, going, yeah. has recovered. But now it's not just like, so I never struggle 
with yeah. alcoholism. No, because it's in my very DNA. Yeah, alcoholics to be say, an alcoholic. They say you never cease to be an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah you'll you may have not have drank in, in thirty years. Yeah, but you're still an alcoholic. Still an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. And so the same way, we are all predisposed to sin. Yeah, it's in our very DNA. It's right. in our bones. Yeah. And so when it's in our we, nature. It's in our nature. So when we, even though we have this new identity, right? We've we've Jesus has conquered death. He's paid or paid, conquered sin, paid for our sin. And, and though we are still sinners. Right. Uh, and so we have to be proactive in fighting against our own nature. Yeah. Um, so that's good. All right. Last question. But not least. Last but not least. Probably my favorite question. Because uh, I, I love And just being in church history and things, thinking about this. Is Peter the rock that is spoken of in those verses on which the church is built? And then follow up question. Is Peter the first pope? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yes, he's the first pope. All right, we'll see you guys see later. See you next week. All right. No. Chew on that. <laughs> um, so obviously Catholics. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, this is helpful. Uh, Some people just, may not yeah, know. Yeah, just the context. Catholics who believe in a pope who is like their kind of highest religious authority and their yeah. kind of hierarchy um, who who they would even believe can can say things kind of for God in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a succession of popes, right? That go all the and they would say it goes all the way back to Peter. And yeah. Peter was the very first pope in that line. Uh, and then this is the moment where Jesus declared him to be the pope. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, the question is, what does it mean that the church is built on him as the rock? And what does it mean? And is he the first pope? Uh, I, I think it's obvious to say we don't yeah, think he's. We the don't first think pope. he's the pope. So like. <laughs> Like, nor do you think anyone has ever been a pope. Just like historically, the word pope didn't even exist. Like, they didn't use the word pope until the third century, I think. Something is like that. It is. Yeah. And so it's like there, and they're like, there's been multiple popes at the at certain times, and there's like arguments over who's the pope, and used to what they did this, and this, no biblical basis for it yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, there, and there's this guy named named. Well, it started out he was like the bishop of Rome, and mm-hmm. so p- people would say that Peter was the bishop of Rome. The history on that is not incredibly clear, uh, but but he probably was, but we don't know for sure. But this guy named Irenaeus, who was an early church theologian, made this literal like family tree that was like, okay, here's Peter, and his his kind of closest disciples were these people, and his kind of those people's kind of closest disciples were these people, and you had this kind of like succession of mm-hmm. of Peter's disciples, and yeah. that is where. They kind of drew this idea of of, yeah. of the Pope. But so we we obviously we don't see that as a church office anywhere in scripture. We don't see any sort of like supreme authority other than scripture, other than Jesus as the head of the church. So yeah. pretty easily we can reject that <laughs> Peter was was the the yeah. Pope. Yeah, he's not the Pope. But so what does it mean that he is the rock? Um but really there's a couple ideas. And you know, I read four or five commentaries this week on uh, this passage and um, there were several ideas and several uh, thoughts put in those. And so we'll just kind of go over a couple of those potential things. But I think all of them have really the same thing in common. And so we'll kind of show you what we think it, it really means when it's all said and done. So uh, on the one hand, most of the things that I read seem to say that there's two Greek words here. Uh, petros is a Greek word and Petra. Both of them mean rock, but a little differently. Petra, which is what... Uh, Peter's name is, uh, no, Petros is Peter's Petros, name. Petros, yeah. P- Petros is Peter's name. And it is like little stone or broken rock or kind of a little rock or something like that. Pet- Arkansas. Pet- <laughs> yeah. Pet- Petros, Arkansas. Petra, uh, and if you know your uh, Christian music history, you have the band Petra. 
Uh, Shout out Jeremy Lotz. He loves Petra. Oh, there you go. Uh, Petra is um, big rock, right? Big stone, mm-hmm. boulder. Uh, and so some people would say the idea is that, uh, and also every time Jesus has talked to the disciples, he said the, the second person por- uh, pronoun, you. Right? He said, you, 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 you. Um, but now he says, he doesn't look at Peter and say you. He says, on this rock, not on you, but on this. And so on this Petra, I will build my Petras. And so um, he's saying, on me, I will build the rock, uh, talking about himself. Uh, and then Peter is this little rock that has a, a part to play in it. Uh, me and Ryan were, were talking about this earlier, and uh, he sees it a little bit differently. Um, you want to explain the way, yeah, yeah. the way you see it? So I, I actually, so people want to say that when, so Jesus says, you know, Petros, Peter, uh, on this rock, I will build my church. And, and so that the this rock he is referring to is himself that he's saying on this rock. You can almost imagine Jesus like gesturing to himself, touching his chest, this rock, I will build my church. The grammatical argument doesn't actually hold a ton of weight for me because when I, when I was looking at my sort of interlinear Greek sort of Bible and, and the word Petros, I'm not sure where this, where this translation of it being little rock comes from because the only use of it in the New Testament is when referring to Peter, yeah. like pet. And, and, and it has to come from other biblical sources, like not non non biblical non biblical sources. But and and the reason I think that that it's not as it's not it's not super great is because uh, Greek, like kind of like Spanish or French, has has gendered nouns and verbs, and so Petra is a feminine verb. Uh, you know, noun. Sorry, Petra is a feminine noun. Yeah, and and. Peter is a man. And so I think Jesus is doing Peter a solid and not giving him a girly, <laughs> a girly name, a girly name, calling him Petras or Petrus, but rather making it masculine and saying Petros or Petras. Yeah. And so like, hey, this is your, this is your, it's like, it's a nickname, right? So he's, sure. like, he's changing the word a little bit, making it masculine because Peter's a big, tough fisherman man. Mm-hmm. And, and he's really saying, you know, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's hard for me to believe that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you this nickname. I'm going to give you this new name, Rock, and then turn around and refer to himself as Rock, a title with which he's never referred to himself before. Right. Right after telling Peter, you're the Rock. And so I do think that he's saying, Peter, you are the foundation on which I'm going to build my church. Yeah. Uh, what exactly that means, I, obviously, I'm not Catholic. I don't think he's the first pope, but I. What, what I think that means is, and I referenced it earlier, what we're going to see Peter do after the resurrection is lead the church movement, lead the early church movement. And Peter does dramatically change. He goes from this dude always putting his foot in his mouth, always yeah, yeah. slipping up, always, you know, going too fast yeah. to a guy who, you know, and, and a guy who's betraying Jesus three times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he goes from that to a guy who is leading, who is preaching at Pentecost, who is... Right, so, like... The found, you know, how does the how is the church born? Well, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does the Holy Spirit? When does the Holy Spirit come? Well, right in the middle of one of Peter's sermons. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's like you think of it as dominoes, like the early church movement is dominoes. Jesus is saying, "You're gonna be the first domino that I tap over, and then this whole thing is gonna cascade." Yeah. yeah. And so Jesus or uh, Peter is not the the originator of the work. Obviously, God is the originator of the work. He's just the first piece. Uh, of the the early church movement. sure well and i think you know paul will, paul will say uh several different times 
that the, the foundation of the church is the prophets and apostles, mm-hmm. right? It's built on their foundation, their work, yeah. right? And I think he's just saying, hey, we're the people that first learned about who he was and first yeah. began to talk about him. And so yeah. Peter kind of being, you know, really you can break the disciples down from the 12 to the three to the one, mm-hmm. right? You got, you got all 12 and then the three, James, uh, Peter, John, John. And, and Peter, uh, kind of the inner circle with mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, uh, and then Peter's kind of like his, his number one dude yeah. inside of that. And so really Peter just being the leader of everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey man, you, and then really the rest of the guys as well are the foundation by which everything's yeah. going to get started. Yeah. There, I think there is a notion of he's given these guys some apostolic authority. Like you are going to be the ones who, who start the church, build the church through oh, yeah. the power of the Holy spirit. Yeah. And so I, we, you know, like we disagree on, you know, the, the exact trends, like who, what is Jesus referring to? But ultimately the result of our, of our, yeah, we're different getting the same interpretations place. Yeah, is yeah. the same. For sure. One day, one of these days, Ryan, we're going to find something we're going to really argue about. We're going to actually here. disagree. Yeah, something about. Actually, I actually yeah, yeah. I have more confidence in. Yeah. And we'll, no, really, I, yeah. we'll go at it. Well, I, you should have more confidence. I'm the one that's arguing against like yeah, all, all but, your commentaries. <laughs> well, they all said something a little different. I mean, <laughs> a lot of them said that, but um, but it's like, it's, you know, here's a great example of third tier, you know, let's call it fourth tier. Oh, it is a fourth tier, like, like maybe fifth really doesn't matter at all. Um, and you know, low confidence and, and, and <laughs> yeah. one's opinion. Uh, but maybe one of these days we'll find a, a good third tier issue that we, uh, yeah, yeah. a little more passionate about. We can, we can model how to argue passionately, but well, how do I don't know if we're the people <laughs> you don't think so. Don't we have don't to back know. away from our mics. We might get too loud. That's pretty true. That's pretty true. Well, Brent, that is the recap for the week. Anything else to add? Uh, hey, we appreciate your questions. Uh, yeah. They help us give things to talk about and know yeah. what you're interested in talking about. So um, if you're a listener, man, try to come up with something. Work hard to, to in the middle of the sermon, write yeah, it down, write and, down or yeah. pull your app out. And uh, please ask those questions. They're really helpful for us and helps us to know kind of where maybe I need to be better at, you know, being clear about something or talking about things. It just, it just helps me know where you're at and it gives us mm-hmm. things to talk about. Yeah, great. So thanks for joining us this week. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to strive to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't a part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. And for more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email staff at myfellowship.church or fill out a question in our church app under the This Week's Sermon tab. Uh, I didn't edit the outro, and so it still says we're going to talk about Peter next week, which we're not. But I'm not preaching next week. Yeah, we'll have a special guest. Guest star. Next week. So we hope that you'll join us next week for the recap. Be blessed.